This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Seek Reality Radio with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about your reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here is Roberta. There is one there is one reality, everyone, only one, and that one reality turns out to be fantastic. We've lived for thousands of years, haven't we, thinking that there are actually three realities. There's a religious reality, there's a scientific reality, and there's a practical reality that we can see and touch. There's always been only one reality. And now at the start of the 21st century, it's finally possible for you and me to begin to understand that one reality and to use what we're learning to wonderfully transform our lives. You are an eternal being. You never began and you never will end. And really knowing that changes everything. My name is Roberta Grimes. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so tickled to be doing this. You're listening to Seek Reality on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Every week at this time, we'll be spending an hour together working to better understand the one glorious reality in which we live. This is a big show for me. It's very dear to my heart. Today I'm going to share with you what the afterlife evidence tells us about the process of dying and what happens to us after our deaths. The truth is more wonderful than your most optimistic hopes. I, I was going to say this is the happiest show I could possibly give you, but the problem is, as we know, it's not all good news about death. Before we begin, I want to talk about the fact that there are two things that, that we really have to say are negative about death. The first is, if you're dying of a disease or some kind of trauma or really almost anything, the process of getting to the point of death isn't fun. Uh, my book is called The Fun of Dying, and I've heard from people who have said, how can you call it The Fun of Dying? It's hard to die. It is hard to die. Um, people have said, call it The Fun of Being Dead, but that, that didn't have the same ring to it. The other problem, of course, with death is that it makes us think people that we love no longer exist, and the, the fact of losing someone we love is the worst pain you can possibly have. I want to make sure right at the start to acknowledge it's not all good news. But now that we got the bad news out of the out of the way, let's talk about the fun part. But the person dying, the actual moment of death, and what happens to us after our deaths is the most fun you've ever had in your life. That's a fact. We know that now because we've discussed it in detail with people who have done it and who to tell us all of this. We have nearly 200 years of abundant and consistent communications from the dead. Because I had two experiences of light when I was very young and I wanted to know what the heck was going on, I've read many hundreds of communications from the dead, the best of which are about a century old. I was trying to understand our one reality because I wanted to know what had happened to me when I was eight and again when I was 20. But I always also was interested in knowing from the dead what death was, 
What did it feel like to die? What was it like where they were now? What were the details of living there? Did they eat? Was it solid? What did they wear? What did they do with their time? Were they sitting on clouds looking down wistfully or were they having too much fun? What was going on within their lives? Now, most of these communications were received through deep trance mediums or channeled in some way. And they, there were interviewers in the room, but the interviewers didn't always ask the questions you or I would like to have asked. And so... A lot of these questions um, aren't easily answered, even if you read a lot of communications from the dead. And there are, as I say, there are, there are thousands, all unique um, and all perfectly, perfectly consistent. So there's no question that what they're talking about is real. Uh, statistically, it would be impossible for it not to be real. But the problem is that we've got to read a lot of communications from the dead to pick up enough information here and there about what they're doing, about what their lives are like, to be able to really construct a detailed view of what reality actually is and what the reality is like where they are. What I'm going to tell you today is what I've come to understand is true. I don't for a minute think you should take my word for it. I'm going to give you basically cliff notes, but then I'm going to suggest you won't have to spend decades, as I have, reading afterlife information. There's so much of it available now. You can probably, in a year's reading, get to the point where I am now. Satisfy yourself about what's true. My book, The Fun of Dying, has a website called funofdying.com, and there, under resources, you'll find a study guide, which is also part of the book. There are four, there's a four-book study guide, if you just want to cut to the chase, and there's another 60 books in the longer study guide. You can do your own research. Don't take my word for it. But meanwhile, what I'm going to tell you is what I know to be true based upon what the dead tell us. It's very, very exciting. As we said in the introductory Seek Reality program, the only thing that exists is consciousness energy. Nothing else is real. Everything else that we think of as real is, I, I hesitate to say this, it sounds too poetic, is a thought in the, in the consciousness that's the only thing that's real. It's constructed by consciousness, set in place by consciousness, governed by consciousness. It's, it's what you might call a very complicated illusion. That's true of the reality you think you see around you now. It's also true of the afterlife levels. If this is a reality, then it turns out there are about seven afterlife realities that also exist in exactly the same place we are, exactly the same place. It's very much like um, your television set sitting in a room not turned on. In the room with that television are how many hundreds of TV channels? And then only when you turn on that TV will you be able to pick up a channel, and then you can choose the channel that you've picked up. Well, it turns out that right now your mind, that TV set, is tuned to the material reality channel and to the specific body in which you think you are. That's what's going on. And that's why death is so blessedly easy, because all that happens when our body dies is that our mind tunes to a higher frequency, and it is a higher frequency. We think, nobody knows for sure as far as I know, but we think that the material reality level uh, frequency is the is the lowest vibratory consciousness rate. I, I don't know that. It doesn't really matter for our purposes. It's the lowest one we're aware of. 
And we, when we die, we just tune to a higher level, a higher channel. We go from channel four to channel seven. It's that easy. And when we do, we pick up a whole new solid reality. One of the last things I, I was sure about was the fact that the realities in which our dead live are as solid as this one. I found that hard to believe. I know you do too. Um, but, and, and for some reason, this was not a question they cared about a hundred years ago, so they never asked it. But then I came across a, a few cases, a very few cases in which someone had actually said, you know, I, is it really solid where you are? And the dead person would say, what do you mean? Is it solid here? It's, it's more solid here than it is where you are. This is the reality. The dead tell us where they are is more real than where we are now. That was pretty good to hear, actually, because I started to fret about it um, as I put the rest of it together. We don't want to think that we're going to have to uh, become wraiths, become ghosts uh, floating around in the air. It's as solid. It's There's the illusion of gravity. There's the illusion of a beautiful scenery in the best parts of the afterlife levels. It's just like here, only, frankly, without the negatives. Uh, and nothing could be better news than that. I said there are seven other realities. I'll tell you briefly what they are. And they're more like stripes on a rainbow. So they're not, uh, don't think of an onion um, with, uh, with you know, layers going outward. They're all in the same place and they grade into one another. So that they really probably are almost infinite um, levels uh, at slightly different vibratory rates, just as you can tune your TV in between channels probably, although maybe they're not allowed to do that, uh, the TVs. But uh, the, the fact is, there are seven main ones. We hear this so many times that I have to believe it's just kind of true. The lowest one, the one closest to our level, is what Jesus, who knew all of this and told us all in the Gospels, most of the stuff I'll tell you today, he told us or alluded to, Amazingly, I think that's one of the most amazing things I've learned in my entire life. Um, but that's, but it's the outer darkness level. It's cold, it's nasty. He said there would be wailing and gnashing of teeth there, and I gotta tell you, that's, that's what goes on there. It's the worst, it's the punishment level. I'll talk in a bit about who condemns us to the punishment level if we're going there, but the outer darkness level is the one closest to the vibratory level of the earth. And that's why when people have near-death experiences, they sometimes see a tunnel. At least I think that's why. It seems to be a rescue device so that we can get away from this vibratory level, which is the, the, the material level, safely without having nasty experiences in the outer darkness level. So it's dark there. It's miserable. We'll talk about it in a bit. Above that, level two is a little bit better. Uh, it's like a recovery level. Um, I tend to think of it as purgatory. It's sort of uh, um, still negative, but people have a, a little better lives there. Levels three through five are gorgeous. They are the most perfectly beautiful places you could imagine, and they're huge. They're much bigger than the the uh, reality that we think we see around us now. We assume there's so many people have died, it must be crowded. It's much less crowded there. It's beautiful there. Um, the the trees are bright green. There are flowers. We'll talk about the nature of some of these uh, flowers and trees and water and things later on in this this hour. But I've got to tell you, whatever you imagine is the most gorgeous possible scenery that's what's in levels three through five. The Vikings called it the Summerland. You could call it heaven. Um, doesn't really matter what you call it. I call it the Summerland because we have a view of heaven 
which is very different from what the dead tell us is where they actually are. And I don't want to put um, the the sort of uh, imagined illusions that we think of as heaven in your mind. Think of really gorgeous, beautiful scenery and, and infinitely large. Uh, and that's that's what the three through five, those levels are like. Level six is what's sometimes called uh, the creation level, the mental level, the source level. Um, it's where... Um, the very most advanced beings live. Most of it's not material, apparently. Um, and the people there uh, are the teachers in the rest of reality, um, or, or they sometimes do come to Earth. My mother had an account- encounter with one, which I'll tell you about if there's time in this hour. Um, they're, they're, they live to serve us. The more highly advanced a being is, the more that being lives to serve. Uh, and all of us in the afterlife levels aspire to get to the sixth level. Uh, or it's also called the teaching level. I actually know someone who lives there now, and we'll, we'll be having him on uh, as a guest in a later um, program. Level seven is the source of all the light that's in the afterlife levels. It's much brighter there than it is here, but there's no sun. Uh, And the light is diffuse. There's no shadows, apparently. They tell us there are no shadows. Basically, that's where God is. Um, If you want to think in terms of God, uh, God is at that ultimate source level, level seven. As far as we know, um, nobody for certain has ever been there and come back and told us about it. I've not been able to read really accounts of it. Um, I think it's quite possible, though, that some of the most advanced teachers, most notably Jesus, perhaps others, uh, in fact, uh, have re- reunited with God at, to that extent and still come back to us. But nobody knows for sure. And for our purposes, it doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, what we want to do is just know what our lives will be like, knowing and trusting that it's a perfect process. And it is a perfect process. We can screw it up, and we'll talk about that a little later in this hour, all the ways in which we can screw it up. But let's begin by talking about what death is like. As I said, it's easy. We're changing TV channels. But, of course, getting there is hard. But there you are. Let's assume you're very old. You've had an accident. You were very ill. You're you're close to death. What happens is within the, the hours or days before death, you begin to see people that you thought were dead. Or, or animals, usually sometimes one or two, sometimes many more. The people you most trust apparently are the ones who will come for you. They're your deathbed visitors. Occasionally people can, can uh, at the deathbed can see the visitors. Um, sometimes they can't. But usually what happens is at some point the dead start stop talking and they're sort of gazing at a corner, a upper corner of the room, and what they're doing is talking in their minds with their visitors. This seems to be universal. It seems to be that every natural death involves visitors. Um, and once you see them, you see one, and you know it's golden because your your mother survived. She looks young and healthy, and she's saying, "Hey, kiddo, you just you got to see what's going to happen to you. It's going to be the best fun you ever had in your life." So when you start seeing your visitors, you know all is well. There's a wonderful book by Raymond Moody who wrote um, Life After Life and coined the term um, um, near-death experiences. He wrote a book called Glimpses of Eternity in which he talks about shared deathbed visions. Wonderful book. I urge you to read it. But so your visitors are there. They're saying, okay, it's fine. We're about to leave. 
So what happens is your body starts to separate. You're made like matryoshka doll, nested nested dolls of energy. Um, two of them, apparently, the outer two, are going to stay behind. Um, one of them is uh, vibrates at this level, and so that's the one that we see uh, when we look at you. Uh, but the other energy bodies are going to leave. So what happens is there's a separation that starts to happen. And the dead tell us, those who can remember what it felt like, is it almost feels like little threads separating in their extremities. It doesn't hurt, but it's a, they have the, they're aware that they're, that the energy in their bodies is, is un, sort of unvelcroing from their extremities and moving into their chest and head area. Doesn't hurt, isn't scary. They've got their, their visitors there. They know what the process is and dying is a good thing. Um, there's a narcotic almost that we, we feel that makes us feel very happy, very comfortable, and very much at peace. So then what happens is we gather this energy that is us that's going to leave, gathers in our head and chest area and leaves. Um, we usually end up um, either face down above our body or Sometimes in a lotus position above our body. Sometimes we tip down and stand on the floor beside our body, but we're still not dead. I'll tell you what the next step is in a minute, but first, you're listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. We'll be taking questions if you have any in the third segment. And the number is 877-230-3062. We'll be right back when we'll talk about the rest of death and everything that comes after it. We'll be right back. If you've ever wondered why you're here, if you wonder whether God is real, if you wonder why life isn't fair or whether there's life after death, let Roberta Grimes help you learn the joyous truth about your own reality. Roberta has trouble with believing things. She's always wanted to know. So she spent decades studying nearly 200 years of afterlife evidence. In the process, she made some wonderful discoveries about God, reality, and your own eternal nature. The truth is better than your most optimistic hopes. Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Why wonder and worry when at last it's possible to know? When she was eight, Roberta Grimes had an amazing experience of light. She spent the next 50 years researching the afterlife to try and understand what had happened to her. And the result is her book, The Fun of Dying. Find out what really happens next. Roberta's book is cliff notes to 200 years of abundant and consistent afterlife evidence. It will show you why extinction is impossible for you, explain how you can enjoy the death process, and describe for you in wonderful detail the glorious heaven that awaits us all. Available on Amazon, in Kindle, and in print, The Fun of Dying will start you on a thrilling and life-affirming voyage as you learn the glorious truth about who you really are.
Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. We're in the middle of talking about the death process, and I left you hanging. All right, so you're out of your body. Your awareness is out of your body. The silver cord is still attached, though. There actually is a silver cord. It's extremely flexible, extremely tough, and extremely stretchy. You can go to the end of the universe while you're alive, and your silver cord is perfectly safe, stays intact, and keeps you together. But once, when you're ready to die, the silver cord is frail and is ready to break, but you're still alive. The only difference is you're looking at everything from the perspective of your energy bodies. Suddenly you've got panoramic vision and much better vision, much better hearing, and you suddenly feel terrific. Remember, you were in a dying body. It's hard to separate a body this way and make it die. It's not easy. So one, a, a dying body feels awful to be in. Suddenly, and most dramatically, you feel fantastic. And then as you're sort of thinking, oh, my goodness, uh, this must be it, you're, the silver cord breaks, and that's the moment of death. That's the moment when you cannot go back into your body. That's the moment when you're going on, and you're... Your loved ones will crowd around you and urge you to leave with them right then. There are reasons for that, I think. Um, trying to understand why some of these things happen is, you know, you may have different opinions as you do your own study about why some of these happen, these things happen. But it appears that we don't suddenly understand what's going on. We know we're dead. We know we feel terrific. And we know there must be a life after death because look at all these people I love and my dog Fido from when I was eight. They're all here and they all look great. The problem is the people around your deathbed are screaming and crying and saying, oh, my goodness, he's really gone. She's dead. They're feeling your pulse. And you want to say to them, hey, I'm fine. You can't do that. If you take nothing away from this little time we're spending together today, remember, when you're dead, you've got to leave. Because, And we'll talk about this in a later segment of Seek Reality. There are terrible things that can go wrong if you don't go with your deathbed visitors. Go with them. What happens is, as you leave, you're staying basically in the same place, but you have the illusion of moving through, usually through a fog. People say when they look back at the room where they died, it starts to look kind of vague and vapory, the people and the bed and the room, and then it fades away. And they find that around them is this glorious, beautiful reality. Now, there are other ways you can transition. If you transition in your sleep, you'll wake up in a house that, you know, your, a loved one has built for you and you'll, you won't, you'll have to, they have to take you outside and have you look around and say, is this what was around the house when you were alive to convince you that you really are dead because you just feel terrific. That's only difference. So there you are, you've survived and you're in the Summerland levels. Most of us seem to, to land in level three, which is the lowest of those gorgeous Summerland levels. Um, around you will be people that you love, maybe not everyone, but a lot of people that you love will be there, and it will be extraordinary. Now, each of us then will have two experiences. We party hardy, and we're judged. It appears that everybody who makes a normal transition goes through those two experiences. Judgment seems to come first usually, although sometimes the party seems to come first. It's unclear, and it seems to be designed around what you in particular need. Let's talk about judgment first, and let's get it out of the way. But even before I tell you about that, let me tell you, if you arrive damaged, they will fix you. Let's suppose you had an injury, a wound of some sort. Um, you lost an arm or whatever, and just dying doesn't make you feel as if you're all together again, or perhaps you were paralyzed 
Perhaps you were blind. If the body that you have there is similarly damaged, it's only because that body is created by your mind and your mind really doesn't believe you're fine. So what they do is emergency surgery. They'll take you to a hospital, which looks like a real hospital, with a real kind of operating room that you would expect, and very nice doctors will say, oh my goodness, looks like you have something wrong with you. Well, we can fix it, and we're going to do it while you watch. We'll give you a little anesthesia. Of course, nothing hurts there, so you don't need the anesthesia. But they're trying to make you feel comfortable watching them sew your arm back on or fix your eyes or whatever they're, they're doing. They fix you, and you're all better. And then, in almost all cases, people walk out of that operating room and say, oh, hey, look, I am all better, because they become convinced by this little artifice of surgery. This is the kind of place we go to after death. It's designed, we're, we're actually, we're treated like people who have just been through a really, really difficult ordeal, just come off the moon or something, and they give us whatever we need so we'll feel better. But as soon as we're sort of whole and comfortable and and we go to uh, uh, the house that we're going to be living in for a while, we don't need a house, obviously, there. There's no weather or anything unless we want it. We can have weather, too. But um, they, they seem to know we need a place, and so we have a place there. But then we're going to be judged. Judgment is tough. I think our whole lives... If we understand what's going on, my whole life is geared around getting ready for judgment. But judgment is nothing like what any religion has ever told you. And this we get from all the dead who have ever talked about it. It's designed to help us confront our lives and forgive ourselves. This is what happens. Usually, there's, um, it's, it happens in a, a big stone room. Sometimes there's a bank of, you know, what we think of as elders in the room. Sometimes it's just our guides. Sometimes it's several guides. Sometimes it's people. Whoever is going to be able to help us get through it, that's who's there. And we then experience every event of the life that's just passed, every single event, emotionally. And then we, we experience it not just from our perspective, what it felt like for us, but we experience it, how, it as everybody that we ever affected experienced it. Everybody you've ever teased or upset, your first wife, you know, the, the, the people that whoever you've ever hurt or whoever you've ever done nice things for, you get to feel how you made them feel. People who've been through it say it's the toughest thing you could possibly imagine. They had forgotten in some cases the things that they'd done. In fact, one woman um, who had died said that she was ready for the big things. She knew about the big things, and they didn't bother her nearly as much as realizing how often she had just said or done some thoughtless thing or how often she had passed up the chance to do for somebody else just some little kindness. She got to experience all of that. Then we're told it's time to forgive everybody. And we do. We forgive everybody. I don't care what they did to us. I have never seen a case of a single person who has died and gone through this who didn't immediately forgive everybody. That's the easy part. Then we're told, okay, now it's time to forgive yourself. That's the hard part. Because we know what we plan to do in this life. We know how we could have handled things. And we are, you know, you think, well, you know why you did this or that. You think you could justify things. Well, it turns out you really can't. And it's really, really distressing to people. If you don't forgive yourself, though, you end up 
having your vibratory rate lower. I mean, the reason you're able to be in level five or six uh, or, or four or three, the reason you're in one of those lovely levels, which all exist right in the same place, right where we are, is because that's what you have earned in, in terms of your own spiritual development. But spiritual development requires absolute forgiveness. This is what really, this isn't religious. What I'm telling you is just fact. This is based on what the dead tell us. If you don't forgive yourself and everybody else, but everybody, you will forgive everybody else. I promise you that. But if you don't forgive yourself, your vibratory rate starts to lower and you could end up putting yourself into that awful outer darkness level surrounded by demons and all those demons are actually people who have put themselves there and made themselves demons this is there's a little bad news this is to me uh, among the biggest bad news items i could give you there is the possibility that you if you will not forgive yourself after death there's a possibility you could end up in a really bad place for an indefinite period of time and you can't get out by yourself you have to be rescued and efforts are made to rescue you but um it's not easy to get out again so if you take again nothing else away from today and we'll talk about this in other segments of seek reality your big job here is to learn to forgive because if you don't learn to forgive here, you may, the hard, the hard forgiveness lesson that you may have to face is forgiving yourself. Okay, you forgive, you have forgiven yourself, you are happy, everything is fine, everybody around you is, is happy, and it's time to party. Reading about the parties is really kind of fun because well they're very different um if you're a quiet person um like my husband is you know he'll probably have just a a a few friends over um always live music i don't think they have any artificial music there but everybody plays instruments beautiful chamber music perhaps he would have let's say you were a really big elvis fan apparently the dead tell us a lot of the modern musicians who have died, and especially, I gather, Elvis and to some extent John Lennon, perform. Perform a lot. You want them at your party? They'll probably show up and perform. People have food at their parties uh, and drink, even though our bodies don't need that kind of nourishment. In fact, our, go- our bodies apparently are nourished by the energy that we breathe in the afterlife levels. We have beautiful bodies. Maybe I should have told you this sooner. You get to design your own body, and nearly all of us choose to look the way we looked in this lifetime at about the age of 30. Um, could be younger. I've seen my father. He looks about 18. And he died at 86. Um, but most of us choose around 30 when we were fully adult but but beautiful. And we look like beautiful versions of that person. Um, so so there we are at the party, and people are showing up that that are dead that that look wonderful and we're old times reminiscing one of the things that dead the people that are surprised about is that some of the people who show up are uh people they thought were arch enemies their mother-in-law is there and they realize she's a close eternal friend this always surprises them that they frequently remark on it um the people that it was all it was all a game it was all it was all a play set up. It was part of the life plan that this person who is a close eternal friend would come as your nasty, awful boss who gave, made your life miserable or your nasty, awful relative that you couldn't stand. Uh, or you, perhaps you, you're someone they couldn't stand. And you fall into each other's arms laughing because you realize it was really only a game. When you look around at the people you think you hate, remember, 
a lot of the people around you are part of your soul group. You and they planned your lives together. And often the people that we have the most trouble with in this life are close, close friends who have chosen, and we they, we've chosen in, in working with them, to come back in some negative way so that we would be able to help each other learn to grow spiritually. Forgive them now because you're going to forgive them later. And, uh, and just look at them differently because uh, it's, it's a gift to us in a way to make our lives difficult because that's the only way we can grow. What do the dead do right after the party? So they're forgiven, they've had a party. This is a period of R&R. Um, it can last as long as you want it to, apparently. There, there's not time there in the same way we have time. Uh, so although they're to some extent tied to Earth time since they're, they're close to us um, in, uh, in vibratory levels still, it's, time is very flexible. I mean, there are little anecdotes that suggest this. Uh, someone saying that so-and-so is very quiet today sitting on a bench because she's having an Earth lifetime. Time is a lot more flexible there than it is here. Um, what some people do is just enjoy. They take, they hike, they ride horseback, they do the same kinds of things they they did here. They're, if you liked cars, you can have cars there. Although we don't need cars, we travel by thought. Um, and it's frankly, it's taking me so long to get through this part. We may have two shows out of this. The second one I'll do as soon as possible, but that's fine. Um, there's just a lot of wonderful stuff to tell you about what it's like in the afterlife. Uh, but there are, I've seen accounts of people with a car, people with a plane, people who had this or that fun thing they wanted to do. There seems to be an effort on the part of our guides to help us get things out of our system. And so if there's something you want, you can have it. You can take it with you. Um, you know the old saying, you can't take it with you. Well, it turns out that's not true. People who get to level three or higher uh, tell us, and this astonishes them as well, that if they think of something in their house, you know, gee, I wish I had this or that book, or I remember this or that childhood toy I lost or something, all they have to do is think of it and turn, and there it is in their house. Again, it all seems to be part of helping us get over having been in this material reality and helping us adjust to what they say is the true reality. Material things are easy to have there. Uh, there are, uh, as I said, people build houses for us. Again, this is something Jesus said. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Well, our loved ones go and prepare a place for us. There, there are, sometimes, though, it isn't exactly what we want. There's an account of a, of a uh, man who had been very virtuous and died penniless on the streets. But he was of a, of a very high spiritual vibration, and they built a palace for him made out of gold. He didn't like it. He deserved it, maybe, but he didn't like it. He thought it was cold, it was like too much, and he just stayed outside. He never even went, in, went inside his beautiful gold house. Um, to, we, we'll, we'll talk probably in a later segment of Seek Reality how, about how these buildings are built. That's a whole story all by itself. But the buildings are there, and they're solid, as solid as they are here. The bodies we have are as solid as our bodies here, but they're made of a different material. Um, it's, I think of it as sort of warm alabaster. You know, alabaster is a, is a very pure stone. You can have it. It could be colored, but you can a little, little bit see through it. 
Um, there was a, a woman, um, young woman had, who had died, uh, and her family wanted to know what her body was like. And she said, well, I'm looking at my hand now. She said, you know, if I put it in a certain light, I can a little, little bit see through it, but it doesn't bother me. Um, there's no, we don't have apparently blood. We don't have internal organs. If we eat and drink, which we can do, because again, if we miss it, they don't want us to miss anything. You could eat and drink. It appears that those, that the food and drink just disappears. Uh, it, there's no, um, eating again. There's, there's no, um, elimination, which is why it's great to have pets. And we'll talk about pets when we come back. But I'm going to have a bunch of pets, and I'll tell you why when we come back. Again, this is Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. You're an eternal being. You never began, and you never will end, whether you like it or not. So let's figure out exactly what that means. We're having fun learning. Call 877-230-3062 if you'd like to be on in the third third segment. We'll be right back. eight, Roberta Grimes had an amazing experience of light. She spent the next 50 years researching the afterlife to try and understand what had happened to her. And the result is her book, The Fun of Dying. Find out what really happens next. Roberta's book is cliff notes to 200 years of abundant and consistent afterlife evidence. It will show you why extinction is impossible for you, explain how you can enjoy the death process, and describe for you in wonderful detail the glorious heaven that awaits us all. Available on Amazon in Kindle and in print, The Fun of Dying will start you on a thrilling and life-affirming voyage as you learn the glorious truth about who you really are. If you've ever wondered why you're here, if you wonder whether God is real, if you wonder why life isn't fair or whether there's life after death, let Roberta Grimes help you learn the joyous truth about your own reality. Roberta has trouble with believing things. She's always wanted to know. So she spent decades studying nearly 200 years of afterlife evidence. In the process, she made some wonderful discoveries about God, reality, and your own eternal nature. The truth is better than your most optimistic hopes. Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on Saturdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Why wonder and worry when at last it's possible to know? I'm Roberta Grimes, and we're having fun talking about the happiest topic I can imagine, which is death. It's happy because it's almost all good news. For nearly all of us, death is one of the most, maybe the most wonderful thing that will ever happen in your life. Don't hurry it up because we'll talk, and I think it'll be in another segment because we're going to run out of time. We're going to talk about why suicide is a very bad idea. I've had people tell me, you can't talk about death as being good because people will kill themselves. Uh Uh-uh. When you really know the truth, the last thing you want to do is shorten this life because this is our opportunity to learn and grow spiritually. It's very hard to do that in the afterlife levels because it's just for the same reason your muscles get flabby when you don't go to the gym. This is our spiritual gym. 
understanding why we're here and how important it is that we learn here makes a lot of difference. You, suicide is a very bad idea. All right, we were going to talk about pets. One of the questions I get when I speak about this, and I do fairly often, is is about pets. Um, people love their animals. And again, here, the news is all good. And I, to me, this is almost too good to be true. If there's an animal that has been loved by a human being, no matter what it is, that animal develops an eternal life, I don't, or at least a life that gets them to the afterlife. I don't know how long it goes. I'm not sure it matters. But all our pets that we have ever loved are waiting for us when we die. They're young, they're healthy, and the reason I'll have pets there is you don't have to walk them and you don't have to clean the litter box. You don't have to feed them. You don't have to brush them. They're young and healthy and happy and wonderful. If you've loved animals that are are not dogs and cats, those are the most common ones, but other animals are there as well if they've been loved. I've had two visitation dreams in my life. One was with my father, but the other was with my horse. I had bought him when he was six months old. He died when he was almost 30. I had him his whole life long. And I had a wonderful, wonderful visitation dream from that horse. It's vivid to me to this day. I can hardly wait to see him again. But again, I have to wait. But um, I, I may not ride again until I can ride him. So your pets are there. This is a not always a good thing. I've seen uh, accounts from dead people complaining they couldn't get next to this or that person who had just died. They wanted to get in and give him a hug, but the, all the dogs and cats were all around him, had to be the first ones greeted and patted. And once you're there and you have your home and you're settled in, you've got all these extra animals. What seems to happen is that you know, you'll let me have one of your dogs for a while or one of your cats for a while because I haven't had as many animals in my life. I haven't had the time and it just hasn't worked out that way. So um, we share our pets. Um, they, since they don't need to be cared for and they seem to be smarter, they seem to, they're, they're still animal-like, which is what we would want, but they seem to have a, a, a way to communicate with us spiritually that, that they didn't have here or maybe they did. We just didn't, weren't able to, to understand what they were doing, uh, and how they were communicating with us. Children who die are a question I also get a lot of questions about. Every child who dies apparently planned that death. People who die under the age of about 20 planned to come as a gift to those who love them as an opportunity for spiritual growth. I know that's a hard thing to hear. Um, I'll be having a guest on to talk about it more uh, in a few weeks. But children who die are deeply loved there. They're treated, they're the royalty in the afterlife. Babies who die, children who die in utero, miscarried babies are royalty in the afterlife. Aborted babies are loved and cared for and grow up there. Think about that. There are special villages and homes where they're off limits, frankly, to most of the dead. The only people who are there are the people who will nurture and love and care and perfectly raise these children. I, I read an account uh, by, from someone who was sort of cranky about the fact that he hadn't died in childhood. He said, you know, the people here who are the most happy, most spiritual people you can imagine are the people who died when they were babies. They still grow up there and they're waiting for us. Um, a woman who has had four miscarriages, when she arrives there, will meet four beautiful young people who will say, will call her mom. 
Um, I I don't believe in. I have my own reasons for not believing in abortion, but when I when I became to understand that that was the case, I certainly would never have an abortion. Um, you can't you can't kill a human being. Human beings are eternal, and that happens to be the case apparently from very early in in uh, very soon after conception. So. Another thing I think that learning the truth does is to change your attitude toward abortion rather dramatically. When people are first have have newly died, they have special properties that they'll use later on. One of them is to be able to communicate with people who are uh, off track. Uh, we're going to have to talk in another segment of the show because there won't be time today uh, about all the things that can go wrong, and that's a whole show all by itself. But um, there are a lot of things that can go wrong. People need to be rescued. They need to be rescued from the outer darkness level. Um, they need to be rescued from what Bob Monroe, who was a great uh, astral traveler, called hollow heavens, places that seem to be heaven but aren't. Um, and people who have newly died have this special ability to connect with these folks. So one of the things that you may want to do soon after you die is to help with the rescue work. Um, what seems to happen is that the people who are in these areas are able to perceive you better than they can perceive more advanced beings who have been dead longer. So you'll go to them and you'll talk to them and you'll say, you know, I'm dead and it's pretty great, but, you know, you're in the wrong spot. If you, I'll take you where you should go if you'll come with me. And they, for some reason, the, the, the young women seem to be the ones who are most um, most uh, uh, able to do this work. So people who die as young women very often do this work um, for a while after they've died. It's, a, it's an honor and it's a, it's a joy to be able to do it. Um, one of the, another of the things that the people who are newly dead like to do is to travel. I didn't understand this at first. They would talk about going to Egypt, to ancient Egypt, um, for example, or to visit the Plains Indians on the plains and there are a million buffalo around them. And I thought they were time traveling. And that seemed, you know, kind of nice. You can time travel. But then I realized, based on very subtle things that the dead were saying, that they weren't time traveling. But instead, there is no time objectively in the afterlife. So all the afterlife realities of all previous human civilizations apparently are still there. And the people are still living in them. So the the you can go to ancient what what seems to be ancient Egypt and watch them build the pyramids. The people who are that you're visiting are actually other dead people. And this is their eternal life that you're beginning you're sharing with them just for a few minutes. Um that what seems to be the most spiritual civilization based on what I've read um, was the Plains Indians. Um, there was a, there's a wonderful account by uh, someone who was recently dead and was traveling. And, and uh, when he came back and was chatting with his relatives, he said he had been um, uh, visiting the Plains Indians. All right, another question. You're saying, well, but wait a minute, Roberta. They don't speak the same language. What's, another of the fun things is that, yes, they do in the afterlife. People speak there by thought, and that seems to be a universal communication method. We need to learn to do it, but once we learn to do it, we can talk to anybody, no matter what their earth language was. But, Roberta, how do they get there? It's so far away. Well, we travel by mind. All they have to do is think, I want to visit so-and-so, and that they're right where so-and-so is, even if that person is a universe away. 
So traveling is easy and communicating was easy, and that's why it's so much fun to be a tourist soon after death. So this fellow was visiting the Plains Indians, talking with a chieftain, and uh, Buffalo around, enjoying, frankly, being uh, in this illusion of what it must have been like um, in the United States Plains before uh, there were any, before the the, 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 the white people came. And uh, he was talking to him, and suddenly he said there was a, a spot in the sky that opened up. It was, suddenly there was a very bright light there, and and it opened, and out of it walked a very tall being. Uh, level six beings are very tall and thin, uh, usually androgynous looking, and they glow. Um, and this being had a woman in his arms, and he, he carried her into uh, one of the teepees and came out and ignored the, all the people around, just went back into the sky, and the, the, the sky closed up. And the, the, the newly dead person said, what the heck was that? And the, the chieftain he was talking to said, when people have been very damaged by their earth life and they're having trouble healing them, they bring them to us. And we work with them, and when they're healed, they come like that again and take them away. I mean, what an astonishing affirmation to, of what something I had all uh, had sensed already, which is that they, uh, the, the spirituality of Native Americans before they ever had any contact with, with white people uh, was, was very advanced. This is apparently true of a number of human civilizations over time. Another thing that people tend to like to do right after they die is to research their other lives. Now, Reincarnation is tricky because something like reincarnation happens, but it isn't like what you or I would think of as reincarnation because all our lives are apparently happening at the same time. They tell us don't even try to understand it, or if you want to understand it, think of it as a bucket from which each lifetime is dipped and back into which each lifetime is poured. Um, but um, all of the lives that you have lived and apparently will ever live are available to you to experience the life reviews and, and therefore remember or, or be in contact again with who you are or were in that lifetime. And some people, not everybody, but some people love doing this. There are great libraries um, where they do this. Um, beautiful buildings, by the way, in, in uh the cities don't seem to be inhabited. They seem to be just places where these beautiful buildings are. Most people seem to like to live more out in what you or I would call the countryside um, and sometimes very different, very diff- uh, distant from other people because, as we say, there is no such thing as distance. You can be anywhere you want in an, in an instant. But people will go to these beautiful libraries uh, or they'll, they'll read these enormous scrolls um, which are printed in gold. The kinds of things they tell us sometimes are a little bit hard, certainly hard for me to believe, but when you read it over and over from widely different sources so there's no way that they're copying, you start to say, okay, there is such a place. But it seems to be, and this is what I'd like you to take away from this first session talking about the afterlife and there will be another one in a few weeks, it's tailored to you. You, you are infinitely loved. This is a tough duty you're doing here. You're trying to learn to, to love and to forgive and to grow spiritually, and you've chosen the hardest place in the universe to do it. That's a fact, by the way. This is, this is where the people who are the bravest come to spend their lifetimes. You're a, you're a Marine, even though you don't know it. Um, if you meet people who have evolved on other planets, uh, they'll, they'll tip their hat to you. Um, another little anecdote. But uh, here we are 
doing the best we can, and you are doing the best you can, and, and maybe now as you think about your life as being eternal, you'll do even better. But once you die, they don't judge you. They're trying to help you recover from this very, very, very tough experience. So what what they're going to do is just love you, and they'll they will tailor for you exactly what the best possible thing is um, for you to grow, to heal, and then to grow spiritually as much as you can there. So it's all good news. The next time we talk about the afterlife, we're going to talk a lot more about um, more sort of advanced things that happen in the afterlife, what, how we spend our time daily, um, just all the different things. Anything you like doing here, you can do there. Uh, your wishes, though, will be different. You'll see as we talk. Uh, the things you think, well, I want to do this or that there, you, you'll, you'll feel differently there. It changes our, our perspective, our view of things when we are in an eternal place and we understand what's truly going on. So that's going to be in just a few weeks. And I'll tell you, there's a little more bad news. I'll tell you what the bad news is. It primarily surrounds suicide um, or or doing some choosing an especially difficult life lesson in which you're a, you're a baddie those are things which seem to be very difficult for us to get over um, once we graduate but for nearly all of us life after death is not only certain but it's more wonderful than anything you could possibly imagine I'm Roberta Grimes. My book is The Fun of Dying. Find out what really happens next. It's available on Amazon.com in both Kindle and print and also on Barnes & Noble as an ebook. We've been talking about what the afterlife evidence tells us about the death event and some of the things that happen in our eternal lives immediately after our earthly deaths. Please join us next week when we'll be talking about communicating with the dead, why it's so difficult, and all the ways that our dead loved ones are sending us messages every day, and they are. Meanwhile, please visit us at afterlifeforums.com, remember the S, and join the discussion. Now go out and enjoy and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are an eternal being and you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, joyous conversations about your eternal life. To learn more, tune in every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. For lively and positive discussions, visit www.afterlifeforums.com. To contact Roberta, email her at roberta at seekreality.com. Wishing you a productive week empowered by the truth of who you really are.